My name is Julia Holtz. I'm one of the pastors here at Hosanna. It is a joy to be with you. I have the privilege of preaching at all four of our campuses, which is just a, a joy of mine to be able to see all the different people at Hosanna. So first, I just bring you greetings from the rest of your family. Um, but I also just want to tell you, I always love being here. Some of you know this. I live about two and a half miles from here. So the commute is really nice. Um, but I also just love to be with my neighbors and the people I've done life with for the last 20 years, marching band parents, choir parents, high school people. So it is just truly a joy for me to be here with you. I want to invite our ushers to come forward to receive today's tithes and offerings. And as they do, I want to remind you about something. Uh, the last two week, weekends, pastors Ryan and Jen have told us about what's starting next weekend. And it's called The Big Give. This is between January 25th and January 31st. We do this periodically where every dollar that comes into Hosanna, all four of our campuses, will go toward a cause. And specifically what's happening next week is that all money will go toward organizations that are helping people who are hungry around the world. Make sure you take a look at your um, insert in the program. There's organizations like Feed My Starving Children, but some other wonderful organizations. And I guess what I want to ask you to do this week is will you pray about it? There is something that happens when we ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? And we partner with God in that. It, it gives us the opportunity and the, the courage to take more of a risk to say, okay, God, I believe you're asking this. Maybe for some of you, you've never tried tithing before. This might be an opportunity to go, okay, I'm going to try this with you, God, and I'm going to trust you. Will you show me how to do this? But I know my husband and I are doing that this week in particular, saying, God, what are you asking? And I absolutely can't wait to see what God wants to do with us in the week to come and how many people around the world we're going to help with this. So remember that. The big give starts next weekend. Well, we are finishing up a series called Making Room. Now, I say we're finishing it up, except that's the series. However, it's really more of a concept, a, a theme, a priority that we are making as a church, not just for the year, but for years to come. We are making room, what we're saying, we're making room for what matters most to God, and that's people. And that sounds kind of obvious, except for when you think of who God is. God is a God who is a creator God. He's the ultimate room maker. Let's say that. He's a creator God who created space for us. He's a relational God. We see that in the Trinity. And he longs for a relationship with us. And he made that, through, made that away through Jesus Christ. He's a reconciling God. He's a God who restores our relationship with him and with one another. He's a God who speaks and listens, and so he's a God who engages with us. This is who he is. He's a room maker, one who makes room for all of us. And then he sent his son, Jesus, who walked this earth and demonstrated a way of being where he made room for everybody. He showed love and made room to everybody. And then Jesus did the ultimate making room by spreading his arms on the cross. He died for us. He rose again, and he promised to fill us with his spirit, his very presence, and then out of that, he birthed the church. <laughs> We've been talking about this the last two weeks. Acts chapter 2 was the start of the church. Not a building. People filled with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit, who were devoted to loving God, devoted to loving one another, and devoted to making room and welcoming all people into their lives. 
And so we believe this is what the church is supposed to be. And so more than ever, we are saying this is what we're going to prioritize, making room for what matters most to God, which is people. Now, as if you've been here, you know we've been talking about some of the struggles, some of the reasons why it's hard for us to make room, and then we've been giving solutions too. So the first week, Pastor Ryan talked about that we're disconnected, that things like technology was intended to help us connect, but actually in many ways it has started to disconnect us. And so he addressed that. Last weekend, Pastor Jen talked about busyness, that busyness keeps us from making room because guess what, especially in our culture, we are very task-focused people, not necessarily relational. We're focused on tasks. And she gave some great solutions to that. Well, today, I get to talk about one of the third big reasons why we sometimes struggle to make room. And it's the topic that is, it's because we're different from one another. We're different from one another. And, and sometimes, maybe often, differences can divide us. Now, there's a spectrum. Let's put that up on the screen, the spectrum. That differences can be divine or they can divide and anywhere in between. They can be divine. We talk about opposites attract. If and when you meet my husband, you will know that he and I could not be more different from each other. But I'm so grateful. I am the woman I am because of his differences and how they have impacted me. The Bible talks about the church being full of all sorts of different people with different gifts and abilities. And that creates a divine body where we all work together. But I think we can all also say that differences can divide, can't they? You know, you pick up any newspaper, if any of you pick up newspapers anymore, or, or turn on the news, or maybe I should just say we read our Twitter accounts, and we can see how differences over and over are dividing. And I'm not just talking politics. Yeah, that's a big one. But I'm talking about educational differences, economic differences, um, racial differences, spiritual differences, religious differences, you name it. These differences can divide us. And I just want to acknowledge for a minute that this is a topic that can make us a little nervous. Some of you are thinking, did she just say politics, religion, and race all in the same sentence? I did. Would you all turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But, but these things can divide us. They can divide us. And yet God wants it to be different. See, we start to get nervous when we go with people that are different than us because we start to think, can I really have a significant relationship with them? What, what if they start to talk about things I don't agree with? Or what if we're so different we have nothing in common and it's super awkward? Or, or what if I say something unintentionally that offends them? We can have all of these different thoughts, and so what we do is we step back and we divide. I want you to know this is a huge topic. There's no way I can address all the issues. I'm sure all of you have somebody coming to mind right now. And I can tell you that I've, never, I've not always been very good at this. I, I grew up in a family, I love my family that I grew up in, but differences was actually a scary thing in my family. We either distanced ourselves and just thought, oh, don't go there, or we had to be prepared for a debate. And let me just tell you, neither one of those works. They don't. 
But what I can say is that I would tell you that over the last 15 years, it's probably been the number one thing that the Holy Spirit has been working on in me. I don't have it all figured out. But oh my word, I'm so grateful for how God has been healing and transforming and showing me how to work and love people who are different than me. And I'm still working on it. I can't think of a better topic to talk about on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Can you? This was a, a man who devoted himself to breaking down barriers, to stopping segregation laws, to bringing peace, to finding equal rights for all people. He was an amazing man. And as a Baptist pastor, he knew that we couldn't do this alone. He knew that we needed the power of God, and he knew it needed to start in the church. And so while this is a topic that can make us somewhat nervous, it's one as the church we have to start talking about in order to begin to know how do we love, how do we make room in our differences. It's what Jesus did, and it's what he wants us to do. So here's what I'm going to do today. We're going to look at the book of Acts again. We've been in Acts 2 the last two weeks. I'm going to look at a different chapter in the book of Acts. And let me tell you what I discovered as I was reading through Acts. You know that the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. People devoted themselves to God, loving God, loving each other, making room. The church began to grow. Thousands were added by number every day. It was an amazing time. Miracles were happening. And then all of a sudden you get to about Acts chapter 7 and the persecution begins. Saul, uh, uh, Stephen is killed and a man named Saul becomes determined to end Christianity by killing every Christian he could find. So right in this time, all of a sudden this euphoric time in the church becomes very scary and the believers all scatter and go everywhere they can and start to hide. Now think about it for a minute. If the believers chose to stay in their hiding and chose to live out of this place of fear, the movement of Jesus could have died right then and there. Now, I don't believe it would have because we have the power of God in it. But think about that. If the believers did it on their own ability and did it in a way where they had to stay hiding and fearful, it could have died. But it didn't. It actually went the opposite direction. See, in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, I was so excited to find this. What you discover in those four chapters are three stories where believers are prompted by the Holy Spirit and they reach out to someone who is very different than themselves. It's profound. So instead of the movement of Jesus dying, it actually exploded and became a worldwide movement that I believe you and I are sitting here today because of the start of these three stories. Let me tell you quickly what the three stories are. Will you go and read these chapters this week? 8, 9, 10, and 11 in the book of Acts. And read them and see what God wants to show you. I'm just going to focus on one of the stories. But let me tell you what the three stories were. The first one in chapter 8 is a story about Philip, a believer, being asked to run alongside a carriage that was carrying an Ethiopian eunuch and engage in a relationship with this man from Ethiopia. Okay, so right there, we have an ethnic difference and we have a color of skin difference. 
They were two men that came from different countries, had different colors of race. Second story is the story of Ananias, who the Holy Spirit prompts to go to Saul. Now remember, I just said Saul was the man who hated Christians and was out to destroy them. Can you imagine what Ananias felt like when the Holy Spirit told him that? But right there, you have religious differences. And then the third story is Peter, the follower of Jesus, the disciple, and the Holy Spirit, and this is the one we're going to talk about, is prompted to go to a Roman Gentile officer. This is radical. Because what you have here is cultural differences, political differences, and actually a mindset difference that is so profound because the Jews were told that the Gentiles were unclean and they were not to be touched. So some believe that these three stories represent the whole world. You have racial differences. You have ethnic differences. You have religious differences. You have political differences. You have cultural differences. And because of these three stories, the movement of Jesus exploded and went worldwide. So with that as our backdrop, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're going to learn from them. All of them had some similar themes that we can learn from. I'm going to dive deep on Peter's story. But they teach us how do we begin to do this, to love people in our differences and make room for them. So Acts chapter 10 is the story of Peter. And let me just tell you first, um, because we're going to start at about verse 9. What's happened is this man named Cornelius, he is a Roman officer, a leader, a centurion over at least 100 different men, so of prominence. He's a Gentile. But it says that he's a good man, and he had been worshiping God. Some believe he may have converted to Judaism, but either way, he is pursuing God. He's given money to the poor. He is a good man. An angel shows up with Cornelius, and he says, Cornelius, God has heard you. He's heard your prayers, and here's what I want you to do. Send some messengers to Joppa, where there's a man named Peter. Go get him and bring him back. And so this is where we pick up. Cornelius sends off messengers to get Peter, starting in verse 9. It says this. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open. He had a vision. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. I just got to say I love that God always spoke in threes to Peter. So he does it again here. If you don't hear God, he repeats himself. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, 
as Peter was puzzling over the vision, as he was wrestling over this, three men, uh, the, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? I want to stop right there. This is a profound passage of the Bible. I think the first thing that we learn about making room for others in their differences from Peter is that it was the Holy Spirit who prompted him. The Holy Spirit went to work in him. And think about it for a minute, how radical this must have sounded to Peter. From the time he was a little boy, he had been told, you don't, not only do you not eat those foods, the Jewish people eat certain foods, you don't eat those, but you don't ever associate with the people who do eat those foods. I wonder if Peter thought, maybe God's trying to give me a test. No, God, I won't eat those. I know the Jewish laws. But see, what had formed was a barrier in Peter's heart. And so the Holy Spirit needed to show him. Peter thought this was important to God. And God was saying, it's not important to me, Peter. That's not the main point. And so the Holy Spirit had to go and show him the barriers, the prejudices that he didn't even know he had. And God had to begin to tear those down. Guess what? We all have them. We all have them. It's just called life. We're grown up hearing things and seeing things and developing perceptions. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. This making room concept is not a task. It's not something to put on your to-do list and check off. This is a way of being. This is a matter of the heart. And we can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit promises to come and lead us, to guide us, to prompt us. But the Holy Spirit also promises to come and transform us and show us the things that have formed in our hearts that we don't know are there, no shame, but that he wants to change so that we're able to love those in our differences. It all starts with the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit? If you're a follower of Jesus, he promises that his presence is in you and he'll help you with this. So that's how it begins. The Holy Spirit prompts Peter. Peter has to wrestle with God and have some perceptions he had changed. Well, let's go on. The messengers explain to Peter what's, what, why they're there, and, and Peter makes room. He invites them in for the night, and then he says, I will go with you the next day. Let's pick it up at verse 24. It says this. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. This is Peter and the three messengers. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I love that. There was a crowd waiting for Peter. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. I am a human being just like you. Isn't that a beautiful statement? See, Peter teaches us. We start with our similarities first. We look at one another and we begin to see this person is a creation of God. They are created in the image of God just like me. 
Before we are different, this is the starting point. Before we are different, we are the same. And so Peter said, I am a human being just like you. We start with the similarities. And then listen to what Peter said. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God, everybody say, but God. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. See, as Peter looked at Cornelius, as the Holy Spirit had torn down barriers and he looked at him and he saw that he was a human being just like him, there was something that I believe happens. And it's that the Holy Spirit begins us to give us eyes to see one another, to see the value and the worth in every human being first. This comes before our differences. And so Peter could look at Cornelius and see his value. You are not impure. You are not unclean. You have value and worth because I can see you now how God sees you. This is what God wants us to do, is to see the value and the worth in one another before anything else. Well, I love the simple statement that Peter says next. He just says, now tell me why you sent for me. Now tell me why you sent for me. Peter and Cornelius begin to engage in a conversation. It all started with Peter asking Cornelius a question. And Cornelius just begins to share his story. Here's what I've seen and heard. Here's what I've experienced. And Peter just listens. After a little while, Cornelius asks Peter then, will you tell me what you think? And I, again, please go read this, this this next week because I can't get into all the details. But, but Peter begins to then share what he has seen and heard, what his story is. And he begins to share naturally about who Jesus has been in his life. And it's so beautiful, but it all began with Peter asking a question and listening. He didn't come with the right answers on the tip of his tongue. He didn't come wanting to fix the Gentiles. He didn't come with an agenda. I wonder if he came kind of curious. Huh, God, I know you've sent me. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to watch. Curious, what's going on? And so Peter began to engage in this conversation, but he listened first. See, people want to be seen and heard and known a lot more than they want to have our quick answers. This is what Peter did. Do you think they agreed on everything as their relationship grew? I doubt it. They came from completely different backgrounds, completely different perspectives. But see, this making room isn't about agreeing on everything. I loved this paragraph that I read from a a book. It said, in healthy relationships, in making room relationships, I'm going to say, we won't always agree. A healthy relationship doesn't mean being and thinking and believing the same way about all things. It means loving, accepting, and respecting the other person and their right to have a different viewpoint than we do. Accepting, loving, respecting 
Not always agreeing. This is hard. But we respect their right to think differently than us. And we lean in and we learn from them. I learned this in an absolutely beautiful way about two years ago. Um, uh, some of you, I, I've shared about my family of origin. I have three older sisters. They're six, eight, and ten years older than me. And so my parents had four girls in a row. God bless my father. And, um, and then six years after I was born, they decided to adopt my younger brother. And so, Matthew, I still remember the day we picked him up. Oh, my word, it was just amazing. One of my favorite days of my life. Um, and Matthew and I grew up together. My sisters were older, so he and I were almost like a se separate family. We, we, we just spent a lot of time together, and I adored him. We had our little spats, but I adored him. But when we got to be adults, um, young adults, we kind of went just very different ways. I moved from Wisconsin to Minnesota. Um, he moved to Madison. Um, I, my career path was very different than the direction he went. And, and so I wouldn't say there was any animosity in our relationship. Um, I just don't think we had a relationship. We just, we would see each other at family gatherings. I would give him a big hug. But it's not a place to have much conversation. And so I didn't really notice this. I just thought, well, it just is the way it is. About two years ago, a little two and a half years ago, I know the Holy Spirit, it's a lot easier even now seeing back, began stirring in me, make room for your brother. And so I remember I called him and I said, hey, Matt, I I'm going to go visit mom and dad. They're in the Milwaukee area. Um, how about if on my way back, I stop and spend a day with you? Well, he was so excited. I couldn't believe it. I, I was so surprised by his reaction. He was so excited. Well, I can tell you, my brother and I spent a day together. We spent six hours on a pontoon boat together, just the two of us. But what was so amazing about this day, and I know this was the Holy Spirit and what God had done in me, is that I began to ask him questions that I'm embarrassed to say it took me till my 50s to finally ask him. See, my brother is mixed race. His birth mother was white. His uh, birth father was black. And so I began to ask him questions like, Matt, what was it like for you? What was it like for you to grow up in a white family, in a, a white neighborhood? What was that like? And I just listened. And I heard stories of joy, but I also heard stories that broke my heart, that he had experiences right under my nose that I never knew were even happening to him. And we began to just... I just began to know him and understand him in a whole new way. And I will tell you now, our relationship has become one of the most precious relationships in my life. <laughs> we have spent time together. We have now found some of his birth family. He and I took a trip to Mississippi to go meet his birth grandparents. He has made room for me into some of the most sacred places of his life. And he is one of the dearest people I know. Do we agree on everything? No, we actually got in a spat and I went, oh, I remember this when I was 12, you know? But, oh my word, it doesn't matter, the connections. Have we talked about faith? Yes, when he's asked me. When he's asked me what I've thought, I've shared, but that hasn't been my agenda. My agenda has been to love him and to know him and to grow from our differences. It begins with asking questions and listening, and it can take years. But, oh, I'm telling you, it's the best thing we can do. I want to just show you what ends up happening in Peter's story. 
Peter has now been asked to share his story. And so Peter begins sharing about, again, what he's seen and heard. So often in the Bible, Jesus just said, just tell them what you've seen and heard. And so Peter is sharing about this Jesus who forgives and loves. And it says this in verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. I love this so much because as Peter engaged with them, guess what? He saw God moving and Peter was changed. See, oh, the Gentiles were changed. They, they, were, they began to see and experience the love and the grace and the joy of Jesus. But Peter and the other Jewish believers were also changed. They had a completely new understanding of God's love, that it's so beyond. See, they may have thought that this Jesus thing was a Jewish movement, but then they discovered, oh my goodness, no, Jesus was up to something so big, so different. He was creating a whole new, multi-ethnic, diverse family of God that would go around the world. And they were changed. They were humbled. Their barriers were torn down. Their misperceptions were healed. And they learned a whole lot more about love. See, this concept of making room, it's not all about the other. It's about us too. As we learn to love and, and, and be in our differences, they are transformed, but we are transformed often first. Last weekend, Pastor Jen invited everybody to write a making room story or submit one. <laughs> Do you know that we got over 1,800 stories this last week? And I had the joy of sitting in the office and just reading through. I couldn't read them all, but I read a bunch of them. I was so moved, so deeply moved. Over and over again, what I read and what impacted me most was how when people made room, how they experienced connection and joy, and it went both ways. And, and we heard from men and women and little children and teenagers as they talked about taking a risk and making room. Sometimes it was in their workplace. Sometimes it was in their neighborhood. Sometimes it was in the church. Sometimes it was on a hockey team. All different places. Sometimes it looked like inviting somebody over for a football game. Sometimes it was going to lunch. Sometimes it was simply asking a question. I loved this. One woman wrote, I intentionally reached out to a coworker who it is difficult for me to see eye to eye with by listening and asking questions to know her better. I thought, isn't that funny? I hadn't even preached this message yet. So way to go, church. We are already doing this. We are doing it. And God wants us, our eyes and our hearts and our spirits to be opened up even more to begin to live not as a, a task-driven culture, 
but as relational people who see others well and love them well. This is what God is calling us to do. There's going to be lots of opportunities to submit stories. Maybe something's coming to your mind right now. You can do that online. But far more than the submitting stories and having a tally of that, that's not it. We need to practice this. We need to ask God every day, open my eyes to see the people around us. Prompt me, Lord, to reach out in love and make room for somebody who's different. This is what the church is. It's not a building. It's people filled with the spirit, the very presence of God, going out into the world to show the goodness and the grace and the love of God just by being people who love Jesus, love one another, and make room for all. I'm going to close in prayer. And as I do, I am going to invite the Holy Spirit to just come and fill all of us again. If you've never known the Holy Spirit, it's not scary. It's wonderful. Just open yourself and say, yes, Jesus, I want more of you. Will you teach me how to hear you and how to follow you? Let's see what he wants to do. I'm also going to just have a moment where I'm going to be quiet. And in that moment, I invite you to ask the question, who, God? Who are you asking me to make room for this week? I, and pay attention what name, what face. You may have to wrestle, and that's okay. Peter did, I have. But let's do this. Let's ask God, how do we make room? Maybe it's lunch, maybe it's a question. But above all else, let's watch for what God wants to do in their life. And may we be transformed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I do just thank you for your way. <laughs> that you are the way maker. And you are the one who makes room for us. And thank you that you have not asked us to just figure out how to do this alone, but that you have filled us with your presence so that we can love like you do. Lord, show us how. I do ask, Holy Spirit, will you come and fill this place and fill every heart here, Lord. Fill us with your presence so that we can be more like you. And now, Lord, I just ask, who, God, who do you want us to make room for in our lives? Thank you, Jesus. Give us the courage. Give us the humility. Give us the grace. And give us the love. And may we go out and make room. Thank you, Jesus, that we matter most to you. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen.